Hey, Unexplained Ones, this is Dr. Mounts from All Things Unexplained. We talk about everything from Bigfoot to UFOs to astrophysics and everything in between. So if that sort of thing is for you, give us a follow on social media and follow us wherever you podcast. Remember, this podcast is made possible by listeners like you. If you'd like to help us out, you can do so on Venmo at Bigfoot UFO. Previously on All Things Unexplained. Expert coming on, Chris O'Brien. The perfect person to have come on and talk to us about cattle mutilation, which of course plays into so many of the shows that we've done in the past with UFOs, uh, Skinwalker Ranch, the people that we chatted with, they of course have had some cattle mutilations there too. And then this story that's coming out of Texas. So anyways, Christopher is an author, a researcher. He's the leading expert in this mysterious phenomenon of cattle mutilation for over two decades now. He's been investigating and documenting these cases, writing books about it, giving talks about it, studying the patterns, and trying to unravel the mystery behind what many consider to be one of the most puzzling and perplexing phenomena in the field of paranormal research. Do us a little favor here and tell us a little bit about cattle mutilation and, um, and how it differs from ordinary animal deaths. Basically, it's a head of livestock or uh, warm-blooded animal because not only cattle have been found in this condition, but uh, horses, pigs, goats, deer, antelope, elk, uh, bison. Uh, the list goes, you know, is, is pretty long of the kinds of animals that have been found in this condition, but, but they're found missing their soft tissue organs. And we recently had the crew from current Skinwalker Ranch owners on our show to talk about things that are happening at the ranch. And we have a listener tonight who's curious about the mutilations on Skinwalker Ranch. Do you know anything about those mutilations that you could share with us? I, I do. I was the first outside uh, uh, Uinta Basin researcher to go to the ranch in, in 1996 before Big Lil bought it. Things Unexplained, hosted by Dr. Mounts. Let's face it, we were always ready to roll without him anyway. <laughs> CJ Derringer. Ain't nobody perfect, right? And Smitty Neves. I've never planned out hardly anything my whole life. I just free ball. Featuring Cajun Man. I'm just old nobody, somebody looking for somebody. The, um, the writer uh, for the De Deseret News who uh, wrote the original article that exposed uh, Terry and Gwen Sherman's uh, amazing case, uh, uh, Zach Van Eck, uh, called me up a couple days before the article came out. And he said that he had, you know, he, he knew of my work in Colorado. And, and he said the rancher really needs somebody to talk to. Uh, you know, would would you be willing to to talk to him? You've you've dealt with things like this in the past and dealt with ranchers right. uh, who are going through some spooky stuff. Uh, would you mind, you know, giving him a call and seeing, you know, if you could somehow help out? 
And so I, I called uh, Terry up. We had a couple hour conversation. I, I just was stunned. <laughs> with, yeah. With, and this is what scared them off the ranch, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, so it, it, you could say it scared them off the ranch, but I think it motivated them to sell the ranch to leave. Right. Uh, it's probably a more accurate way of saying it. But the following day so after. For our listeners, sorry, for our listeners, will you just give a little snippet of what was happening uh, at Skinwalker Ranch at that time? It would be probably quicker to <laughs> talk about stuff that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> well, the, the most dramatic things were. Um, and. I, I must preface this by saying when I went up there, um, when I first meet a rancher, um, if there's not a cow laying on the ground in front of me, if I'm just talking to the rancher, I sit down, I don't have any recording devices, I don't have any, you know, I, I occasionally will jot down a note or two, uh, but I will just shut up and let the, let the person speak. And, and let them lead the conversation because generally it's the first of many uh, visits and, and it's the first of many conversations I'll have with the rancher. And I think it's important at the very beginning of establishing a rapport that you allow them to steer the conversation. So I thought this was going to be the first of many conversations. If I had right. known that I would never get a chance to go back up there, um, you know, except years later when I went up with some TV show, um, I, I would have recorded the entire conversation. I would have asked mm -hmm. to see videos. Um, I, I would have been much more uh, proactive in terms of finding things out and um, not realizing that that would be the case, that this was, you know, like a one shot deal. I, I just used my normal routine and just let, let the rancher at his own pace, um, in his own uh, in his own way, go ahead and, and, and reveal uh, as much or as little as he wanted. And it was 105 degrees out, um, dry as a bone. It, it you know it wasn't it wasn't a very comfortable um, situation, uh, just in terms of, of physical comfort. And and we were walking around outside and. Uh, one of the things that he told me was, uh, which I, I find very fascinating, is that these these apertures would open up in the air out in front of uh, the homestead, like a camera aperture, you know, that opens up from the inside and comes out and then closes back down. And they're about 50 feet wide, 50 feet in diameter. They would open and enclose at various distances from the ground, but generally about 100 feet up. And um, these 40-foot triangles would float through, and then they, he could look through to the other side of the aperture, and it could be a different time of day. could be different oh, weather. Oh, my gosh. And uh, then the aperture would close down, and the 40-foot craft would zip away and fly so we're around. we're talking portals. portals well, yeah, thing. like a portal, yeah, if you want to uh, call it that. Um he called it a doorway, um, uh, an aperture opening up in the sky. He said generally it was a yellow, kind of orangish color on the other side, but a couple times he saw blue sky and clouds when it was, you know, overcast where he, you know, <laughs> over his ranch. And um, he, I said, well, when was the last time this happened? And he goes, oh, it was just a couple of weeks ago. 
And he said, you know, this this time it was different. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, you see those cottonwood trees over there? And there's like these 60, 70 foot tall cottonwood trees. He says, they, a guy uh, must have been a rookie driver because instead of floating through like they normally do and, and then zip off, he came flying through that thing, didn't stop in time, and he shaved off the tops of my cottonwood trees, which were over there lying on the ground, slowly turning uh, brown. And, uh, you know, having done quite a bit of logging and, uh, you know, operating chainsaws and uh, hauling uh, dead and, and uh, live trees out of the forest, uh, I kind of know what I'm looking at. And sure enough, those the tops of those trees have been broken off. They had not been cut. Mm. And they've been broken off by some sort of blunt force. Um, so, Crazy. And then he, he showed me these 14-inch circular pod marks on the ground that were punched nine inches into hard pan and he said that he had uh, they were raiding a, about a 40 foot uh, triangle and the three points uh, for each of the landing marks and and there were quite a number of them out in his pasture and he had one of the guys from the there a lot of oil wells uh, in the region there uh, to the oil and gas field and he had one of the guys that's uh an expert on load bearing, uh, how much weight a particular piece of, of land can can handle for heavy equipment. And the guy came and did measurements and said that whatever it was that left the imprints, 14 inch imprints pressed nine inches into the ground, he said that they had to have weighed in excess of nine tons. He said about, about the weight of a railroad car. Uh, and there were a number of them, which I saw, uh, so the portals uh, is, is, is one of the more, um, noteworthy elements, uh, that happened. Also, they had a number of, uh, I think seven cattle mutilations. Uh, mm. they had strange oversized animals, uh, that would show up. Um, they had, uh, these humans with dog heads that would walk around occasionally sit there on the edge of the uh the the where the forest meets the pasture and they'd stand there and he said you know, one time he looked over and he saw a couple of them and they were leaning against trees smoking cigarettes and uh <laughs> I, was, I was thought that was an interesting an interesting description um my gosh and these uh these creatures incidentally uh ended up being seen by some of the government investigators who came out from, from Virginia uh, in 2010. They went out, uh, and these are these guys are like super badass special forces right. operatives and, uh, and from five different intelligence agencies. And they went out there and just were scared. For some reason, they, they were hit with infrasonic uh, uh, vibrations or something they all freaked out and when they went home they started seeing dogmen in their yards and mm. neighbors started seeing dogmen and friends of their kids started seeing dogmen all the way in Virginia mm. so that's where we have the term hitchhiker effect where right. many people that have uh, dealt with the ranch have had to deal with similar phenomena uh, wherever they live uh i think travis taylor the doctor on the skinwalker ranch right. show has had some experiences uh in alabama where he lives and um bigelow um had some 
problems. And uh, there's some, I've heard some rumors that he may think that his wife's death may have been somehow tied in yeah. with uh, with the hitchhiker phenomenon. So, um, probably. CJ, are you rethinking our I'm I'm not going to skinwalker ranch. Skinwalker ranch? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I renege, renege on my, well, it's not happening, I can't, I can't. The, the, the one case that really blows my mind, if it's true, and I, I have every reason to believe it is, is when uh, Gwen and Terry were going out to, uh, this is after he had sold the ranch to Bigelow, and he was uh, kept on as the manager of the ranch until they until they were able to set up a team uh, to run the operation there. Um, Terry was out checking the cows, and the, the babies all were being born. It was uh, late winter, early spring, and so he was out, um, putting ear tags on the, the babies and probably inoculating them and maybe burning off horns or whatever. Um, and, um, you know, it was like in the morning, broad daylight. And so they're out in the pasture with no trees or anything around them. It was just, you know, hundreds of yards of, of green grass, basically. And they, they checked on a mama and the baby, and then they went on another 300 yards to check the next uh you know, mama and baby pair. And uh, when they came back, the one that they had checked about 20 minutes earlier was lying on the ground, mutilated and, and torn apart. Oh and then all the, all the body parts were laid back down in a kind of almost a ritualistic looking manner. And this was them, with them in the field in broad daylight. Uh, of course, they immediately called Mr. Bigelow, who flew George Onet, the veterinary pathologist, and Dr. Kelleher, the microbiologist. They immediately flew up to Utah and did a complete on-site investigation, and the thing was still warm. Uh, so they were there within just a couple, three hours. And uh, that's, that's probably the record for quickest uh you know time between the last uh, you know seeing the animal live and then finding it mutilated i think there may be one case a little quicker but that 20 minute mark is eclipsed by the fact that they were in the field and never saw or heard anything so go figure then uh, another case that was amazing too he you know he had some he had custom cattle these were not just your everyday run-of-the-mill cattle these were um high uh, you know high value uh boutique cattle if you will and uh he and, and gwen and and uh, the kids came back one day and uh their nine bulls were gone missing and and he freaked out i mean he was talking about you know several hundred thousand dollars worth of livestock right. and so they're freaking out looking all around and um just i forget why he even looked but there was a an old stock trailer that was there mm. a covered stock trailer on the property and uh, it was locked up and uh so he went and he, he unlocked it and looked in and all nine animals were in there in two rows standing on each other's backs to fit I remember all hearing nine that story. Uh, which yeah. is, 
and they were <laughs> they looked at him and went boo <laughs> boo they were really, <laughs> really freaked out um uh. i mean hunt for the skinwalker is a pretty interesting book if if your uh, listeners want to find out more about the ranch um uh, yeah Colm kelleher who again uh you know was the managing director for osap and work still works for uh mr biglow he's been working with with him for 25 years now um kelleher uh and george knapp the uh las vegas uh tv uh reporter award-winning tv reporter they wrote the book on for the skinwalker which i highly recommend and then skinwalkers at the pentagon was also co-written uh with james lakatsky who was the head of the uh, Def- Defense Intelligence Agency, and uh, was the managing one of the managing directors for the the um, ATIP and OSAP programs. And when when Lukatsky went out to the ranch and spent some time there, uh, he was sitting there in the kitchen, and Biglow was here, and Kelleher was here in front of him at the other side of the table, and in in the living room on the other behind these guys, this this weird thing appeared in the air it looked kind of like a tubular bell and it was hovering in the air this yellow thing and they were facing him so they couldn't see it but he's looking at this thing and he realized oh my god this, there's definitely something weird going on here and so he went home and uh you know his his son saw the one of the dogmen in the back and then his wife had these weird events happen in the house and uh, then mm. neighbors started seeing weird stuff and so Lukatsky became very very convinced that there was something to this hence the uh, the study uh, I think the 22 million dollars a sizable percentage of that money was spent at the at the ranch trying to figure out what was going on up there and that's when uh, mm. when Bigelow uh, you know kind of folded nids and allowed the army to uh, or the, the intelligence agencies to take over up there. Um, of course, everything's uh, changed now, but uh, it's 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 one of those cases that keeps on giving. Uh, if it's sure if it's not real, then it's it's a very effective it's a, a very effective example of uh, some some sort of you know societal psyop that's being right. perpetrated on. Yeah. The, Mind on the population yeah well, you, you know you've heard of six degrees of separation from kevin bacon right i feel like we have six degrees of separation from skinwalker range yeah. literally Two. everything we've talked about <laughs> yeah it always ends up back there it's connected back right. to skinwalker yeah. Ranch. Yeah, yeah. so chris you have talked to investigators you have worked with other researchers you've been to several cattle mutilations you have worked with several hundred investigators (laughs) yeah and um so nobody's ever been charged with the crime or at least very few what's happening what do you think is causing this again i i think you know people why don't they get their own damn cows if it's the government why don't they you know and and they do the government buys cattle uh raises cattle uh they have their own land they uh it's a lot of a lot of uh, livestock I think meets their demise at the uh, mm-hmm. you know at the hands of, of uh, government investigators uh, whether it be the National Institutes of Health uh, you know atomic right. regulatory uh, agencies uh, Department of Energy who knows uh, 
the extent of uh, experimentation that goes on with farm animals within the bowels of the government. But um, it's obvious to me and to longtime investigators who aren't wedded to a particular theory, the open-minded investigators realize that we're not dealing so much with the cows that are being taken. That's not necessarily the issue. The issue is where they're located in the environment. And that's a big clue, I think. I think we're dealing with some form of environmental monitoring. And it's um, it could be everything from uh, the effects of above ground radiation from 100 above ground nuclear tests that we did in the Nevada test site, uh, which spread radiation all across the Rockies into uh, the Midwest. If you look at a map of residual radiation in the environment from those tests, and then you overlay that with a map of mutilation regions where lots of cases happen, it's a perfect match. And that's possibly why we, we see very few cases west of the Rockies, because the prevailing southwesterly winds take the radiation and blow it to the east. And uh, I said to my friend David Perkins, who... I consider to be the most knowledgeable person uh, in this mystery, but when Fukushima happened in 2011, I said, you know, we just got nailed with a big radiation cloud that came across the Pacific and dumped radiation on Northern California and uh, Central and Southern Oregon and in parts of California. I said, if your radiation monitoring theory is correct, David was the one that first realized the uh, you know, the potential connection. I said, if your theory is correct, then we should start seeing uh, mutilation cases on the West Coast. And sure enough, <laughs> right, we Oregon. did. We had 23 yeah. cases in Oregon, right where, I, right where I told him that I thought it was going to happen. So I, I don't know. Go figure. I kind of. So who is monitoring the mutilations? Well, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. Uh, there also was other potential, uh, you know, environmental factors that could be at play. Uh, the most noteworthy and the one that, that I personally feel is is way up on the list, probably at the top of the list, is the the fear of mad cow disease breaking out in, into our, our food chain, breaking out in, in and uh, you can't detect it until the animal's dead, so you don't know if the animal's are carrying the prion disease, uh, which is in cows is called mad cow disease, but when humans get it, it's called Kutzfeld-Jakob's disease, and it has the same exact symptoms uh, in terms of outward appearing symptoms of dementia and Alzheimer's. You go into um, shakiness, you can't stand up, you lose your memory, you lose your ability to talk, and eventually your body forgets how to breathe and you die of pneumonia or respiratory uh, respiratory ailments. Um, because what happens is the prions, which are these proteins within nerve tissue, once they're turned on with the mad cow disease or Kutzfeld-Jakob's disease or in deer and elk, it's called chronic wasting disease. In sheep, it's called scrapie. But if, if you catch this, uh, what it does is it, it causes other proteins to misfold. And these misfolded proteins 
eventually create holes in the um, brain cells and in the nerve tissue. And that interrupts synaptic function and and that's when it gets really bad and, and you go into uh, uh, to the symptoms before I mentioned and, and die of, of, of dementia. And we've had a 5,000% increase in dementia deaths in humans in the past 30 years. And nobody is getting autopsy to find out exactly why they died. They're just saying, oh, they died of, of dementia. But how would that explain the cows that died, you know, at Skinwalker Ranch when the people were gone for 20 minutes and then were mutilated? Um, that's that's for show. That that was a, a theatrical event, no question. Um, Again, but who? By who? Well, you know, I, I think that at the core of this, the vast majority of these cases are probably uh, perpetrated uh, by humans. But at the core... The high strange cases, uh, maybe one or two percent, um, they're done by something that's been around since King James uh, or the middle kingdom of Egypt. Uh, we're dealing with some sort of preternatural predator that has lived alongside humans for, for millennia and uh, may be responsible for our ancient practice of animal sacrifice. Let's sacrifice, you know, the, the less desirable animals in the hopes that the gods or whatever it is doesn't come down and take our best breeding stock uh and so i have a sense that we're dealing with some sort of ancient predator that may be some sort of dimensional force uh that has some need for uh whatever the elements within the soft tissue organs supply uh i i don't think we know enough to really make a a, a real intelligent determination of, of what that is but um, I do have a sense that there is something at the core of this that then the, the government or the beef industry or the National Institutes of Health or um, whomever the, gov the human agents are they see these, these high strange cases happen or they find out about them and so they do their cases either to find out what they're looking for or to throw investigators off, off the track um, we've had red herring cases. We've had cases that were obviously done um, as as a way to um, sort of I don't know dissuade investigators to look look further uh, and to confuse uh, ongoing investigations. It's a cat and mouse game that uh, really doesn't have any easy answers. Uh, you know, I don't. I think aliens from outer space is the least likely uh, potential answer that we have. It doesn't make any sense at all to me that aliens would number one come light years to do that, or come from other dimensions uh, uh, to, to to do it. And it seems to to me that whatever it is is probably something that's terrestrial. Uh, maybe of a different dimensional ability. Uh, maybe it has access to some sort of dimensional capability. Maybe it's time-based. You know, I, I often make the joke, it, it, how do we know it's not high-tech chefs coming back from 200 years in the future har <laughs> harvesting uh, delicacies from animals that are no longer used for food? Because cattle are going to be outlawed mm. as a food source. They're the most detrimental creature on the planet 
besides humans. Right. Most, most people don't know that. Largest source right. of deserts, Methane, largest yeah. source of, of uh, naturally occurring ozone-depleting gases, besides termites. Um, the largest uh, polluter of fresh water. Uh, you know, I mean, mad cow disease. I mean, that's just that alone is enough to curl your toes. Um, yeah. So, you know, we really don't know enough to make any any determinations. And, you know, the investigators who claim it's aliens are only relying on 5 to 10% of the data. They're ignoring all the other cases that have helicopters, that have cows that are found with nicotides, amphetamines, and, and coagulants, and anticoagulants, and, uh, you know, strange, you know, we had one cow was found on the Walton Ranch in, in uh, Arkansas, you know, the people that own Walmart, and they had a mutilation back in the uh, late 70s, and they, they did a necropsy on it. Well, first, they, they found a, uh, a ritual altar that looked like it was some sort of a cult altar. And then when they they did a, a necropsy on the animal, they found they had mescaline in it. Now, aliens aren't coming here and shooting our cows up with mescaline. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it just doesn't work that way. you know. Uh, so we've had every kind of... We had potassium chloride that was found in the ocular fluid of one cow, a deadly poisonous... Uh, it, it's just so they are doing autopsies on these cows not the many part. but the ones that are being done uh yeah there's been a, a number of them that have been found with weird things inside their blood uh and why mm. that is nobody can really figure it out uh you know the alien uh theorists theorists uh they uh they don't want to admit uh all these extraneous facts that don't fit their particular their particular scenario of uh, aliens coming from a dying race to gather genetic material to hybridize their their race to save them from themselves or whatever the the supposed story is. Yeah. Why not just pick a lock on a slaughterhouse or an abattoir and take out the gallons and gallons of genetic material? It's just in huge vats, you know, you don't need to go sneaking yeah. around in Farmer Brown's field. It, it, it right. And uh, that's a good point. So I, you know, I've, I try to, to, to be intellectually honest and look at all the mm-hmm. data, and for every theory that you come up with to explain this, there's 80, 90 percent of other data that will refute that theory. I, I'll win any debate on cattle mutilations if I can <laughs> if I can be the if I can take the uh, the devil's advocate uh, position. I'll win every well, every every debate. And Chris, speaking of theories, you know I think tonight we've definitely added to my field of knowledge on the subject, and I feel like we've added to the general field of knowledge here because before tonight we could only locate five general theories. And I want to circle back real quick to the Texas case, so they allude to that there must be one of these theories involved and before tonight we found out okay natural causes some theories say other animals some say satanic cult which you just referenced potentially in the walton case in arkansas some say it's the government conducting experiments 
and some say it's aliens or UFOs. I'd put those in the same. So that was the prevailing theories that we could find going into tonight. And I think you just introduced some great new food for thought there, no pun intended, on uh, oh, some of the yeah. explanation here. I'm not sure that I'll be having it as food ever again. Yeah, well, you know what, <laughs> Chris, what's your notion for which way this is going to go in Texas? Well, I think they're going to run up against a brick wall. And, um, you know, they're just, what can they do? They realize that they um, they probably shouldn't have said anything because they've opened their themselves up for all kinds of uh, unwanted interest. I'm sure they didn't think that they would get the response that they, they did. Uh, because from what I've heard from everybody that's spoken with them, they're, they're just being inundated with uh, press and and uh, mm-hmm. you know, people, people that's uh, interested in in the mystery, they've been inundated with interest. And in, I mean, they they barely have enough time to handle their caseload, let alone have to have you know comp- right. entire PR department to, to to handle all the uh, all the requests for information. Mm-hmm. And I I really don't think that there's much that they can do. Uh, what I would like is for them to realize that. Um, you know, good science is probably the only real approach that's going to produce any usable information. And uh, so if we can get on site, you know, it's early spring. So, you know, the animals will stay fresh uh, a little bit longer than they would in the, you know, during the hotter months, which is when these cases normally occur. Last frost to first frost is when uh, when these cases you know 90 95% of these cases occur and since we have these early cases they they might be able to have a time window that's uh, long enough for them to get there and bring the animal when it's fresh to a you know a state veterinary college or to a crime lab or someplace with a with a animal pathologist that can uh, then do a complete uh, necropsy and workup uh, of the animal and determine a cause of death, uh, possible, like I said, you know, with, with the various uh, substances that have been found uh, in the animals, uh, determine whether there's there's something uh, going on with uh, the actual constituents uh, within, you know, drugs or, or minerals or things that are out of place that they could uh, possibly right. determine through a few good, some good science. Uh, that's the best that they can hope for. And, and um, you know, the problem is now that the media has gotten a hold of this, uh, it's not so bad when it's just the local media or possibly the regional me- media having a story or two. This has made it all the way up to the national level. Right. Um, and uh, that has the... That has the the impact and effect of uh, people being aware that there's been cases reported, and so everybody's looking out for dead cows. It was driving along, <laughs> mommy, yeah. mommy, there's a dead cow, and they get out and they go oh, and look boy. at it, and they don't know what they're looking at. They don't realize that birds and and uh, and scavengers can can leave an animal looking like it's been cut up. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been fooled myself. I'll be the first to admit it, that I've I've seen magpies drill a perfect circular hole in the rear end 
of a cow, you could take a compass and and it would almost be a perfect uh, circle. And if you see that, I mean, aliens came down and did that to that cow, you know, if yeah. you don't know what you're looking at. It, so it, it reminds me of trying to protect my meager crops from squirrels and rabbits. And yeah. they seem to have the advanced intelligence far oh, yeah. beyond human capacity. <laughs> yeah, it's to real tough them. to keep them out. <laughs> so yeah. one thing I was wondering about, Chris, you had mentioned that you had had some foreboding emails at some point in the past and this all has a very x-files feel to it to me now that we've got law enforcement involved in texas and i think that's part of the fascination too right well there's other there's other things here you want let me blow your mind to be continued You've been listening to All Things Unexplained. If you liked this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. If you would like to hear more All Things Unexplained, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our show depends on the support of listeners like you. Find us on Venmo under the business accounts at Bigfoot UFO. If you can't get enough of us, please check us out at allthings-unexplained.com. A special thanks to our producer, director, sound mixer, editor, and the man who wears far too many hats. No, seriously, he wears a lot of hats. Dr. Tim Mounts. Without you, we couldn't keep the lights on. Thanks for listening to All Things Unexplained.